Hello and welcome to Parsha on a Pod. My name is Yechiel Schaffer. I am the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation here in Baltimore, Maryland. This week we will be taking a look at two parshiot, double the fun, Parshas Tazria and Metzorah. These are really challenging parshiot for us to study because the idea of a spiritual disease is hard for us to comprehend. And the process with which one treats this disease disease is indeed very foreign to us. Nevertheless, the Torah spends two parshiot focused on the impact of this disease and the Kohen, who plays a critical rehabilitative role in the purification healing process. Here is Tazria Matsora in seven parts. Part one, Daber Ben Yisrael Lemar, Isha Ki Tazria Ve'yelda Zachar. The Torah describes the status of impurity and its length in time that a woman who recently gave birth finds herself in. Though the majority of our parsha is focused on tzara'at, the uh, spiritual uh, infliction, we begin from a place of childbirth, from a place of joy. This time frame for how long this woman is impure depends on the gender of the child, and it is concluded by the woman visiting a mikveh and bringing a sacrifice. The Torah also mentions that if her child is a male, he should be circumcised, he should have a brit milah. The discussion now turns to the laws of tzarat, a spiritual disease with physical symptoms that is poorly, almost incorrectly translated as leprosy. The Kohen will be the one to diagnose the disease, and if it is indeed Sarat, the Kohen shall place the patient into isolation for seven days to then be re-evaluated. If after the seven days the Sarat has not left, he shall be in isolation for seven more days, then the priest then the priest shall declare the patient either pure or impure. The Torah then goes on to discuss what should be done if the Sarat spreads after the priest makes his declaration. It also explores the various colors this, affli- this, inf- this affliction can manifest itself in. So ends part one. Part two. The Ra'a Osa HaKohen. The priest shall examine it. The Torah now addresses the various possibilities when the skin isn't clear or available or uh, has access where the Tzarat is, appear- is appearing. The first example, if someone has a severe burn on their skin, the Kohen shall examine the possible blemish and be able to identify it irregardless of the burn. There are certain features that a Kohen is searching for when examining a case of Tzara'as that are simply not clear-cut. The Torah now addresses also the possibility of a Tzara'at lesion forming underneath one's hair. There are various parameters through which a Kohen will examine such Tzara'at-like lesions, including the possibility of shaving off the skin, to get to the lesion underneath. And so ends part two. Part three. The Ishki Marit Rosho. The Torah now discusses the appearance of, of a Tzarat lesion on a bald spot if a gentleman is losing his hair in various places on his head. There are various details within which the appearance of such a lesion that a Kohen must evaluate when determining whether the patient is impure. Included in this is the possibility of some sort of redness that appears in the lesion. We are now told that the remedy to such a lesion, a lesion being announced as Tzara'at, mainly the isolation of such a patient outside of society. 
What if Tzarad then appears on someone's clothing? The Kohen is given various parameters on how to diagnose such a lesion. And if it is indeed, indeed Tzarad, the clothing itself is placed in quarantine. If after quarantine the Tzarad is still present on the garments, it should be burnt. If the lesion has not spread, the garment should be washed in quarantine for another seven days. And so ends part three. The Kohen further examines the garment after quarantine. If the lesion remains on the garment, it should be burned. If the lesion has grown dimmer, that section of the garment should be torn out and that section alone should be burned. The Torah now proceeds to describe the purification process for someone who has been diagnosed with Tzarat. After a period of isolation, the person shall bring two birds, a cedar stick, crimson wool, and hyssop for a sacrifice. The Kohen accepts these items and sacrifices one bird into an earthenware vessel containing spring water, collecting the blood in the vessel. The live bird and other materials are dipped into the blood mixture from the other bird. The person is sprinkled with the mixture seven times, and the live bird is released, one of the only korbanot, in which the animal gets free. The person is isolated for seven days. He shaves off all the hair on his body, and then he immerses himself in the mikveh. On the eighth day, he brings more sacrifices, and the Kohen pronounces him pure through a complex ceremonial procedure that includes sprinkling of blood and oil on the person in various limbs. And then the process concludes with the Kohen bringing the burnt and the mincha offering and declaring the person pure. And so ends part four. Part five. The im dalhu ve'in yado maseges. The Torah recognizes that the prior stated purification process was really quite expensive. And so it now suggests how someone with limited means could still perform the ceremony by perhaps substituting some of the expensive animals for cheaper ones like birds. There would be some slight adjustments necessary to the ritual ceremony, but these are described in detail in this chapter, and they are relatively similar to the previous aliyah, the previous part, therefore we're not going to repeat them. That being said, it's quite remarkable that the Torah is sensitive to even the sinner who may be impoverished themselves. So ends part five. Part six, Kitavoel Eretz Kanaan. The Torah explores the possibility of tzarat occurring on someone's home. Torah now says that a Kohen needs to be brought to the home to diagnose such a peculiar, perhaps a once-off-in-history site. The home must be evacuated, everything has to be taken out of it, so nothing will become pure, impure. And after everything is removed, the Kohen examines the Tzarat and quarantines the home for seven days. If after seven days the lesion has spread, the Kohen will remove the bricks upon which the lesion is found and will throw them, discard them, outside the city. The house is scraped clean and re-plastered and re-molded over. And if the lesion returns, the house itself in its entirety must be destroyed and the rubble must be removed to be taken outside of the city. You are not permitted to reuse the destroyed rubble. 
The process to purify the home is now described in the Torah. And it is similar to the process with which a person becomes pure. The Torah now discusses a man who has a seminal discharge, making him impure, and the various laws of impurity that impact his life. And the Torah describes the ritual process, including carbonot, for the man himself to become pure. And so ends part six. Part seven. The Torah discusses the ritual impurity that a woman may come into by having an emission from her body and advises a necessary seven-day separation from her husband when she experiences this kind of emission, a nida. The Torah also presents the impact of this impurity on her life and how it may make various items impure too if they come into contact with such a woman. The Torah explores when a woman has an unexpected bodily emission that would cause her to become impure and advises on the process for achieving a level of purity that includes various sacrifices and ritual, uh, ritual ceremonies. And so ends Parshas, Tazria, and Mitzorah. Thank you so much for joining us on Parsha on the Pod. My name is Yechiel Schaffer from Baltimore, Maryland. One final thought on, honestly, a very challenging Parsha. Uh, why is it we start off the Parsha to discuss a woman who has a child and becomes impure? Why is it that woman becomes impure after childbirth? It's different than all of the other impurities we've encountered. There's no death here. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. It's the beginning of life. The process itself doesn't cause, though the process obviously causes bleeding, it doesn't make sense that the conclusion should be impurity. Rabbi Avrama Bernstein, the Shem Mishmul, suggests that impurity is what occurs after a, after Kedusha leaves either a place or leaves a situation or leaves a time. And thus, when she delivers the child, though no death has been experienced, her Kedusha is now less. She had two lives, now she has one life in her body thus creating a void of Kedusha, creating a Tuma and the necessity to re-attain re a status of Tahara. Wishing everyone a good health, enjoy the beautiful weather, enjoy these challenging partials and their lessons, and please like our podcast, share it with your friends, and have a Shabbat Shalom.